How does temptation come? In the form of an evil thought, knocking on the door of our imagination. Folks, it may be true that opportunity knocks once, but I tell you what, temptation will beat on that door. It will beat and beat and beat until you either run it away or you welcome it in. Why? All temptation is doing is checking you out. It's trying to find out, do I have the right ingredient this time? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. This morning, I'm probably going to minister one of the most important messages that I've ministered in a long, long time. Because I'm going I'm to talk to you about probably the greatest weaponry of the formidable foe that we face every day, whose name is Satan, Lucifer, the dragon, the serpent, lots of different names. And that subject is the subject of temptation. Has anybody here, and it's not a trick question, has anyone here ever been tempted? Okay, we got half the churches being honest. We're going to have an altar call for liars later. Okay. (laughs) Folks, the truth is, is every single one of us, your pastor included, is tempted on a daily basis. But I want you to look at the title of today's message, Temptation. It's not the bait, it's the bite. See, the temptation really is not the problem. It's what you do with it. And so I want to as succinctly and equitably as I can address this subject. And so I want you, please, to, as they say in one of my favorite places, keep your hands and feet inside at all times. And put your seatbelt on. But if you're me, make sure you leave enough room in it to where you can get out if you have to. Okay, some of y'all have to ask my wife about that. And they will, she will let you know. I have had many people over the years ask me, Pastor, how do I deal with temptation? And, and this is literally, if, if I had a top five questions, this would be a question that would come up in that top five. If not, the top one or two or three. How do I deal with temptation? Or when temptation comes... Does it mean I am doing something wrong? I want you to listen to this because I I am on a journey today that by God's grace will completely set you free and understanding the victory is already ours because the battle is his. So I want to get into this again. How do I deal with temptation? Or when I'm tempted, when temptation comes... Does it mean I'm doing something wrong, I'm living in sin, I'm out of God's will in some way that has caused this temptation to challenge me? How many have ever asked some kind of similar question? The truth is, it could be any of these things or none of these things. We have a deceptive adversary, that his greatest tool is temptation. And his greatest weaponry in the line of temptation is lies and deceit. I've told people for years and years and years, Satan has no authority. When he was cast out of heaven, all of his authority was stripped away. Now listen, uh, the Bible talks about this angel 
that God created named Lucifer, who was the anointed cherub that covereth. He was the highest angel, if we look at it in biblical perspective, that we can understand the highest angel in all of heaven, that the Bible says one day pride was found inside of him. He was lifted up in himself and said, you know, I am going to take your place, God. And God looked at Lucifer and said, Bye-bye. And Jesus in the book of Luke said, I beheld Satan like lightning cast out of heaven. In other words, when Satan said, I'm going to lift myself up, God said, well, you're going down. Boom. You ever see lightning strike out of heaven? It, just like that. Cody, you're closest. Would you slap him? <laughs> now, let me take you someplace before we put these things. Let me ask you a question. I wonder, I, I, folks, I, I spent a lot of time in this book. Take, take that off the screen for a moment, please. I spent a lot of time in this book. And one of the most perplexing things that I have is when I spend time in the book of Genesis. Now, I want you to grab this, please. We all deal with sin. We all deal with temptation. We all deal with these different things that the enemy would try to do. But one of the greatest perplexities that I have is how in an unfallen world with a couple that walked hand in hand with God, God walking in the garden with them. And Satan was still able to deceive them. Right. Now we, we, we said, oh, the devil made me do it. Folks, the devil can't make you do diddly or squat. He can't. All he does is puts out the bait. Waiting for us to bite. You're going to grab this when I get done, and you're going to walk out of here today. It's not the bait, it's the bite. Hmm. In an unfallen world. Now, let me, let me tell you something. How did this happen? In your notes, I, I put a statement in there. I wonder how long Satan was in the garden. I wonder how long he was there. Before she bit. Can I tell you something? You don't just bite what shows up. Unless you're at a dessert bar. <laughs> so dessert bar has got to be good, right? Amen. I didn't say the consequences are good, but the, yeah. Okay. How long was the devil there? You know what I believe? Long enough for them to build a relationship. See, nobody falls into sin. This is what the Bible teaches, folks. You run to it. You plan for it. You make a choice in it. You grab a key to unlock the door to get it. But ain't nobody falling in it. I wonder how long Satan was in the garden before Eve grabbed the bait and took a bite. I say this at the beginning because I want to ask you, how long did you play with it before you bit it? How long did you reason with it before you yielded to it? How long did you say, I can handle this before it started handling you? You see, something about temptation, it's not the bait. I use a statement that I have used for many, many years, and that is very simply, a devil exposed is a devil defeated. This is a biblical statement that once we know his operations, he's exposed. 
So we can see him every single time. But why do we still give in? That's why I want to address this today. Matthew Henry, tremendous man of God from the, uh, the uh, 15th century, 15, 16, 1600s, is that 15th or 17th? 17th century? Okay, long time ago. He made a statement, and it's in your notes. And I tried to leave as much of my stuff in your notes as I possibly could because I thought this, this, this message so imperative for you and for me. Okay, I, I don't say, folks, understand something. When, I, when, I, when I'm preaching these messages, it, sometimes it'll feel like, you know, I'm doing this. But understand, there's three fingers pointing right back at me. The nice thing that I have that you don't have is while I'm in the anointing of the Holy Spirit preparing this message, I get to repent all the way through. Amen. Not you, Pastor. Come on, you're a cut above us. No, no, no. God's word, I'm a cut below you that I can help support you. Are you okay? The best of saints, Matthew Henry said, are tempted with the worst of sins. So I answered that question. It could be any or none. Because the best of saints can be tempted with the worst of sins. The fact is, now you can put that up, Chris. The fact is, if you are being bombarded by temptation, it just may be an indication that you are doing something right. More than doing something wrong, which is why Satan is trying to lead you astray. He's trying to get you to bite the bait. Why? Satan sees you as a threat to his kingdom. Therefore, he is working day and night to bring you down. That's why you and I have to not be ignorant of his devices and stay as far away as we can. Because even though we get to the point, folks, and I'm speaking this as experience, get to the point in your life where you say, I have, I'm not going to fall. I'm not, I have no interest in that. I've got no plan for that. I've got, can I tell you what? I made that statement to my assistant pastor, the church I got saved in, and within two weeks, I was in the depths of the enemy's trap. The Bible says, take heed, he who thinks he stand, lest he fall. The enemy will work overtime to try to bring you down lest you bring his kingdom down. First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. Beloved, underline this next line, please. Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial. And then I want you to circle these two words, which is to try you. Think it not strange, the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened. Am I out of God's will? Am I doing something wrong? Have I fallen away? The scripture says, it might be none of these. It could be all of them, but it may not be any of them. Why? Because fiery trials are going to Try you. It's not a strange thing. Rejoice, though. Rejoice that I'm going through this. For the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, then when his glory is revealed, you will be glad with exceeding joy. James 1 says it this way. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials, various trials. Circle that with me, please. Everyone. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Can I say it again? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why should I be happy that I'm going through this? The next line answers a question. Because the trying of your faith produces patience. I like to tell people that patience is one of those words we find in Christian cussing. I have people over the years tell me, Pastor, I'm never going to pray for patience. Well, can I tell you, it doesn't matter if you pray for it or not. God's going to give it to you. You know why? Because the Bible says we have need of patience. Look at somebody and said, he is going to talk about me this morning, isn't he? 
Is that right, Jim? You got it? Yeah. James. Think about it. I have need of patience. And how do I get patience? Trials. Testing. Persecution. And then it says these interesting words, but let patience have its perfect work. You know, God says, stop whining and complaining about it and go through it. Stop looking for everything to blame about it and go through it. Stop trying to say it's this person, that person, this thing, that thing, and just walk through it. Because he says these words, that when it's complete, you'll have a handle on it. Am I making any sense this morning so far? I've just started, but I promise to get you out of here. Number one. Number one. I'm going to make a statement, and I'm not sure how I left it in your notes, but I left it in my notes this way. Temptation is tempting. Somebody look at somebody and say, duh. Temptation is tempting. Why is it tempting? Very simply, it is wanting what you don't have that is what's alluring. How many here have ever been told you can't have something, and then you thought in yourself, really? Okay, by the chuckling, I can think I have covered just about everybody. Okay, my example here is, have you ever been on a diet? Has anybody here ever been on a diet? You know, starting a diet's really good when your belly's full. But you wait until that belly empties up. How many know that diet ain't so happy? Now, some of you, some of you skinnier than I folks out there, just be quiet. Being, uh, telling everybody, I'm, I'm starting a diet is pretty good when you just ate lunch. But when you're hungry, that, you know they tell you don't go shopping when you're hungry. Some of you ladies, you can tell us husbands, amen on that one. You send your husband shopping when he's hungry? My goodness. It doesn't matter if Blue Bunny ice cream's on sale or not. You'd be bathing up for that one. Or whatever you're... <laughs> Remind me after service, Tim, and I'll tell you a story about that. Food is more tempting when you're hungry... In the same way, the enemy knows how to package his wares to make bad things look good. He knows that if he can package it just right, he will help us to soon forget the consequences of something because he has convinced us we have to have this. How is this so? In it's on the screen, there's a psychological truth that forbidden things have a certain charm. We've already talked about Genesis and Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. What in the world was Eve even doing around the tree that God told her to stay away from? We're talking about an unfallen world. We can't use the excuse, well, you know, it's a fallen world, Pastor, you know, things happen. It wasn't fallen. There was no sin. They were in perfect relationship with God. What was she even doing where God told her not to be? Because there was a relationship. And Satan had already convinced her, it's not what you think. How many have ever got into a situation? Hey, I can handle this. Don't look at me like that, bunch of lying eyes out there. You ever got it? I can handle this. You ever been there, Jeff? Oh, yeah. Pastor Ray? I, no, not Pastor Ray. Sherelle? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <coughs> no, I already know. I'll, I'll go to Tim here. <laughs> Have you been? You've been? Oh, I can handle this. And the next moment, 
you'd be sucking fuzz. It, it just, you know, folks, it's a psychological truth. The fact is, you and I are attracted to things that we should avoid. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take another myth and I'm going to throw it away. And that is, well, Pastor, this is just natural. It's my human nature. No, your human nature, God created perfect. It's your sin nature that makes it attractive. I want it. I know I shouldn't have it, but I want it. And I know it's like we're talking to different people. You are. You and the one trying to convince you. Well, that's the only voice I hear. That's right, because you've deadened the voice of the one trying to stop you. When we want something, it doesn't matter if it doesn't line up with God's word. If I want it, bless God. Am I making any sense this morning? Look at Romans chapter 7. Paul addressed the whole thing. I do not understand what I do. He says, what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, I wind up doing. Why do I do what I want to do, what I don't want to do? Look what it says here. I agree that the law is good. What was the law come? To make sin exceedingly sinful. To bring a light on it and say, don't go that way. That's what the law does. And then he said, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but who? Sin living in me. Oh, that diabolical sin. Well, pastor, that's my whole excuse. Folks, you got to choose between the bait and the bite. And when we bite the bait, we give in. I don't want you to raise a hand. Please keep your moans to yourself. When you give in to what you knew you shouldn't have even been around, now you're sucked into guilt. And you feel horrible. And the last thing you want to do when you're sucked into that is you don't want to be around anybody that's going to be godly. Anybody that's going to be used of God to try to help you to see what you already saw. Let me inject this here in your notes. and It's on the screen. We need to know there is no sin in being tempted. It's not the bait that constitutes temptation. It's the bite. When you give in to temptation, that's when you sin. The book of James says a man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Temptation, when it's accomplished, becomes sin, and then sin becomes death. Are you with me this morning? The second thing that I want to look at just quickly, and I want to reiterate this again. It doesn't say it exactly in your notes, but I want to say it again. Temptation is tempting. You say, Pastor, that's, that's kind of redundant you say that. Really? If we don't understand the temptation is tempting, why the heck are we going to go follow it? It is tempting. It is alluring. But let me give you a ray of hope and understanding. It can also be strengthening. Temptation can also be positive and have a positive effect in the life of a Christian. It can make you stronger. You notice I say the bait, 
not the bite. The temptation, not the giving in. James 1.12 says his words, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Would you underline that in your book, in your, in your notes, please? Blessed is the man who does what? Circle that wor- those two words. Endures temptation. What's the Bible say? You're going to be tempted. Blessed is the man who endures it. For when he has been approved. That word approved means when he's been shown genuine. When he has been shown that he really wants, she really wants to do what's right. Look what it says here. They received the crown of life. The Lord had promised to those who love him. See, the picture that we're getting here from James, and I love James so much. There's five, there's five books in the book of James, okay? Five chapters. And, and it's such an incredible book because James was the Lord's half-brother, one of the Lord's half-brothers in the Bible, James and Jude, okay, was the other half-brother. And James is writing here, and what I love so much about James, you know when James became a Christian after the resurrection? Oh, he was a follower Once again, this is why I have a problem with this. I'm a follower of Jesus. No, you're either a disciple or you're not. A lot of people follow lots of things. But the reality is I'm a disciple. That means you can't see where Jesus ends and I begin. You're an adherent. You're like glue. When he has been proven. James is writing here and he's saying, guys, I've watched the whole thing. I grew up with the guy. And you know what? He was the same thing in the bassinet as he was on the cross. The guy didn't mess up. The guy lived everything he said he lived. He did everything he said he did. And you know what? One day, me and the boys, we were hanging out in the upper room, and all of a sudden, he shows up. The door was locked, and he still shows up. And he just walked right in. So when I'm talking, you better be believing I'm believing what I'm talking. And he said, you're going to go through stuff, but when you are proved genuine. I was told genuine is not quite right. So I will use, I will use the Yankee approach. When you're proven genuine. What is the old rule? Is it I before E makes it? Okay, anyway. Except after C. Well, there's no C in that word, so that's got to be a long I, okay? Martin Luther said these words. Listen to it. A tempted Christian. See, I told you that, that temptation can be strengthening. Look what Martin Luther said. A tempted Christian is more profitable and useful to Christianity than a hundred, even a thousand, that have not known the depths of Satan, nor have been schooled in the school of temptation. So let me ask the $64,000 question. Where does temptation come from? Well, in the broadest sense, it clearly comes from the devil, as he is clearly an instigator of the bait. But we have to acknowledge, we have to acknowledge, we have to acknowledge we play a key role in our temptation. See, this is the strengthening part, ladies and gentlemen. As long as we can blame someone else or something else or, the, or some infer- infernal uh, uh, agitator, then we take the responsibility off of ourselves. It's not... My human nature, it's not my sin nature, it's their fault. We have to understand, we play a key role. The devil needs our cooperation for us to give in. The devil needs our cooperation for us to give in. Did I leave that in your notes? Okay. But here's the next line that you've got to grab a hold of. Because if there's no desire on our part, there is no effectivity of temptation on Satan's part. If we don't have a desire, he has nothing to tempt you with. Look what James 1 says. Temptation comes from what? 
David, does that mean I can't blame the devil anymore? He did. He had it wrong. Does that mean I can't blame my wife when I do wrong? You wives miss a great place to shout amen there. You mean I, I can't blame my dog? Temptation comes from where? Our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. I just quoted this, or I referred to this scripture a moment ago. These desires give birth to sin. And when sin is allowed to grow, what's it do? Brings forth death. What death is it talking about? Separation from you and God. It's not talking about physical death. It's talking about a wall of separation. Why? Because God cannot look on sin. That's why First John chapter 1, verse 9 and 10 says, If we'll confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we can't simply blame the devil as there is our part. It is only after we desire that the devil devises. What he does, ladies and gentlemen, he looks at you and me. See, the devil doesn't know the future, but he knows your past. And to control your future, he uses your past. He sizes you up. He knows your vulnerabilities. And then what's he do? He dangles out there what he knows you like. Man, this is good preaching. I'm glad I came today. We have to understand, folks, it takes two to tango. You didn't know you were dancing toe-to-toe to the devil, did you? It takes two to make temptation successful. And look at somebody and say, I guess I'm one of the two, aren't I? How does temptation come? In the form of an evil thought, knocking on the door of our imagination. Folks, it may be true that opportunity knocks once, but I tell you what, temptation will beat on that door. It will beat and beat and beat until you either run it away or you welcome it in. Why? All temptation is doing is checking you out. It's trying to find out, do I have the right ingredient this time? Contemplating, it may, you may be thinking, well, I, I'll never do it. I just need to do this for research. I need to understand a little bit more how this works. So that's why I'm into this program on the computer I shouldn't be in. Watching this movie I shouldn't be watching. Listening to this song, I shouldn't be listening. It's research. I wonder if that's what Eve was doing on that day. She's standing right next to the tree that God told her to stay away from. I'm just researching. Maybe it's going to have some kind of tentacles that are going to reach out and grab me. I'm just trying to see how close I can get. A lot of us like to live on the edge. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's what happens. We slip off when we're least expecting. Am I making any sense today? What makes temptation so difficult for so many? I left this in your notes and I want you to circle this line. What makes temptation so difficult? We don't completely Discourage it totally. We play with it. This is why God's word tells us in 1 Corinthians, cast down imagination. Anything that exalts itself above God's word. Which brings us to the next step. Because you're almost hooked. 
If he can get you just to dwell on it, if he can get you just to think about it, then you're almost hooked. Why? Because it's appealing. It's stimulating. And she paid attention to me. My wife doesn't pay attention to me. My husband doesn't pay attention to me. It's got the bait out there. It's got it out there, and it's dangling it. And like that big old wide-mouthed bass, I know I can't do this. I know I shouldn't do this. I know the consequences if I do it. But man, it looks good. You're almost there. You're ready to bite. Well, pastor, what's the big deal if I bite? That's when the delusion comes. Now you've got to justify what you bet. You've got to qualify. You can't let anybody think that you're the fool. Did I tell you this would be a very important sermon? Now we got to stand. I didn't give in to anything. I wanted it. It was made for me. Oh, if God didn't want me to, he would have stopped me. Lastly and quickly, I want to ask you a question. Jesus in Luke chapter 17 was talking about the whole concept of a man must lose his life if he's going to gain his life. And in the middle of the passage, you can read it later in Luke 17, he makes this statement, remember Lot's wife. Out of the clear blue, he throws in, remember Lot's wife. What did Lot do? I can get a whole new sermon out of this, folks, that Lot didn't do his due diligence with his family. Compare him and Noah. But the reality is what happened is Lot's wife bit the bait and was now seduced by the illusion. God said, don't look back. What does that mean? The, the verbiage the verbiage doesn't give quite the clarity that we need. What is the picture? She didn't just take and glance. She longed for what she left. And it just sucked her in. And we know the story. We have to recognize, and I want to quickly get through this last part. We must recognize that at times... The enemy is really a frenemy. Psychology 101 states very clearly that to overcome a problem, you have to admit you're a pro- that you have a problem. Well, Christianity 101 takes it a step further. To overcome a problem, you, uh, you must admit you are the problem. Sin in me is the problem. Mark chapter 7, look what it says here. It's not what is... Uh, it, it, uh, uh, it's what comes... From inside, that defiles you. From what is within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these vile things come from within. All the devil is is dangling the desire. You can have it. See, there are three enemies that we must contend with in this world. The world, the flesh, as Christians, the world, the flesh, and the devil. These three are a daily battle that you and I will face. Number one, the world literally is the attraction that draws us the external foe, I call it. The flesh and its evil desires are what I call the internal foe. But the reality is there is a devil and his enticements or baits, which I call the infernal foe. 
He is the one that sets to use all of these devices to drag you to an enemy's hell. Let me define just really quick, because herein lies the problem. A frenemy, a frenemy, I know it's, a, it's one of those trickery words. It just means friend and enemy together. You can't tell the two apart because they're so close. A frenemy is someone or something you normally would not get along with. You're a Christian. You wouldn't normally do that. You normally don't get along with it, except both of the purposes at desire are served. Therefore, you temporarily become friends. In this, you cross the line to something you desire to be fulfilled, whether it's right or wrong. You see, a frenemy is somebody you have a love-hate relationship with. I wonder if that's what Paul was addressing when he said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I wind up doing. It's this on-again, off-again relationship. This might describe some of the poisonous relationships you may be in. Every time you get around this person, this place, or this thing, it drags you down spiritually. Oh, you stand. Oh, but it's a fight. It's a struggle. Oh, I don't want to give in. And I, you know, I, hey, I got this. I'm not going back again. Well, talk to Peter about that, would you? How about David? Let's talk to David about it. Oh, not high enough on the list. How about Moses? How about Abraham? Every time they thought they were strong, weakness grabbed a hold of them. Thus so, we now have a frenemy. Many Christians have become frenemies with the world, which is biblically deceptive, pervasive philosophy infects everything, everywhere that our life's a part of. This is why God says you can't serve God and mammon, which mammon is the world system, not just money. Everything that influences in the world, God says reject it. Why? Because in the world, 1 John chapter 2, as the worship team comes, the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, a pride in our achievements and our possessions. He said, all these things are not of the Father, but are of the world. And you can't serve both. Once you bite the bait, you get sucked into the delusion. Am I making any sense today? So what do we do? What do we do? How do we overcome or defeat temptation? Take your eyes off your notes, please. I want you to look at me. How do we overcome and defeat temptation? I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it very purposely, candidly, biblically, accurately. You don't, and you can't. He did, and he does. In John 16, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have problems. In me, you're going to have peace. Because I overcame the world. No place in the Bible does it tell us we're not going to deal with stuff. How do we overcome and defeat? We set our lives in Christ. Fully, completely, we set ourselves in God's Word. It says, Flee. Flee temptation. Flee these lustful desires. Flee these things. Well, Pastor, what do I do? I am very glad you asked. I left this in your notes. There is always a way out. And we know the way out. It's called the door. Pastor, it's not that simple. Oh, yes, it is. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 
He gives you the power. Ephesians 3.20, exceeding abundantly above anything you can ask or think. We are able to do according to His power that works in us. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as clicking the little red button on your television remote. When that thing comes on, sorry, ain't going there. It's as simple as pushing the off button or the delete button, the trash button on your computer, which is where all that trash needs to be gone. It's as simple as pushing the end button and then pushing the block, remove, delete button on your telephone. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. They have ways of getting in. That's right. But I have Jesus, and he can get me out. I want you all to turn around and look at those two signs above the doors. It's as easy as walking under that exit sign above every doorway of your life and saying, God, I'm going to go and sin no more. Folks, it's not rocket science. I left this in your notes. Please look at it. It's never the hard steps that make it difficult. It's the difficult steps that make it hard. What do I mean? What makes it hard is what we make difficult. And what do we make difficult? We don't want to stop. Can I call black, black, and white, white? Remember, temptation takes two. The devil's throw the bait out there. That, that bait might be a bottle. That bait might be one of the stupidest things that I ever heard of, legalizing marijuana. Don't get mad at me if you use it really, legitimately, honestly, for medicinal purposes. Praise the Lamb of God. God created the plants of the earth for a purpose. But you walk around with a card in your pocket and you know that card ain't doing it. Pastor, you're meddling. That's right, and I meddle real good. I'm trying to say, folks, there's a bait. And that bait might be in the form of a card. It might be in the, fr- in the form of a free pass. It might be in the form of this, that, or the other thing. The reality is sooner or later, I have to decide... You're not coming in anymore, devil. I know your stuff. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Am I making any sense today? What makes the hard difficult is we don't want to. Yet if we choose to, we simply need to take practical yet radical steps in the right direction. And that's a way. From temptation. Did I make sense this morning? Ladies and gentlemen, the world seeing Jesus' return is not going to get easier. And if we can't grab a hold of reality and say, I'm not doing this anymore, then we'll fall flat on our face every time. I wonder if you would bow your heads with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. God, your word is the way that we win. And God, it is also your word. God, that is filled with the grace that enables us the ability to win. And God, this morning, there's some of us, God, we need to get a win under our belts. We've given in, given up, and given out too many times. And God, we understand. God, before Pastor even preached this message, before this thing was even brought, God, I, I, I looked in the mirror, and I knew the problem wasn't outside of me. The problem's inside of me. God, help me to deal with the hard thing. That makes it so difficult. And that is that desire inside of me that doesn't want to stop. That's why I play with it. 
That's why I dance around it. That's why I don't block it. Remove it. Delete it. Because what happens if I, maybe I want to see it. God all the time knowing that the devil's just drawing that bait a little bit more. God, like we're out there fishing, just jerking that bait a little bit. You can have it. I'm going to take it. You can have it. I'm going to take it. You can have it. I'm going to take it. And God's, he gets us to grab a hold just in case we might lose it. God, help us to lose our life in you that we can win our lives in eternity. Heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. Are you here and you're dealing with this stuff? I don't know who you are as far as your personal life outside of this building. I don't know. But I do know that Jesus knows. And Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at. If that's you, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar. If you feel like you need to, we're going to have an altar team up here at the end of service. Uh, Judy and Bill, they're going to be up here praying for people. We'll have some of our other uh, leaders that will be here to help you. But if you're here, and I, I don't want anybody looking around. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here and you find yourself at that same crossroad every single day, week, month, and you're saying, Pastor, I'm tired of being here. I'm going to say a hard thing. You're there because you got yourself there. Now it's time to do the difficult thing. And this to say, I'm not going there anymore. Say, Pastor, it's not that easy. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. The greatest power of eternity operates in your life. There is a devil that tries to act like a lion, but he ain't. He's all bark and no bite. The bite has to be us. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.